Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Pigeon Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Wait, so, okay, Lauren, is it Lauren um, that texted me directly? Yes. Okay, Lauren, me. are you based in the OC? I saw a 949 and my little OC heart just <laughs> skipped a beat. Um, are, is that I, where you're coming from? Okay, I used to. Chandler and I both hail from the, the OC. We're sisters. <gasps> True. We're born and raised in oh, Orange what? County. Oh, same. Really? Oh, no way. oh yeah. And by the way, well, you guys don't live in Orange County now, I'm assuming, right? Uh-uh. Not okay. anymore. Where are you guys now? Lauren. Um, I live in Puerto Rico. <gasps> I, I don't know why people think that's so funny. I'm sorry. It's just so random to hear you. Like, no one's ever expecting you to say Puerto Rico. I love. Wait, are you Puerto Rican? Are you, are you, know, you my Latina? Fa- my family is from Puerto Rico, actually. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, I came here, actually came to the Orange Tell me County more, Hilaria. <laughs> How do you say it in English? Cucumber? What? What's <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you say it in English? I came here for university. University. Yeah, that. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm from Orange County too, born and raised. And I, my parents still live there. So I go back at least once a week. Oh my gosh. Wait, what part of Orange County? So I, I was born uh, at Hogue Hospital in Newport yes. Beach, California. Oh, Snaps. That's a fancy hospital. That's really fancy. It, oh, yeah. Ocean View. And then, uh, yeah, I've been, I grew up there. And then um, I have family all over. I, I'm more on the, I guess, South County side. But I have family in, in Fullerton, Costa Mesa, Brea. I mean, I love all of Orange County. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, by the way, this is, I'm Chandler. Um, oh, hi, Chandler. Hi. hi. Um, I'm in San Francisco as well. Not, oh. um, not in Puerto Rico. Not as cool. Got it. But we, we were born and raised in San Clemente. Oh, amazing. Yeah. My, we used to have a, a place uh, or a house in, off of um, Camino Las Ramblas. Yes. <laughs> and, I've never uh, said it that well. Yeah. For the and we're, we're, that's more like Dana Point. But San Clemente is like the spot. We'd go to the Harbor House and like, mm-hmm. yeah, oh all my of gosh. that. I love, I love OC. So this is how, this is how deep our roots get low in the OC. Outside of the Mission Viejo Mall, there are tiles that we painted as children that were installed on the entry. Like that was one of their activities that you could do, would paint a tile for like posterity Mm -hmm. and your love and devotion to shopping at the Mission Viejo Mall. You can visit visit that at your leisure. Wow, I cannot wait. You are a pioneer. (laughs) One of the founding queens of the Mission Viejo Mall. And you know what's so funny? Okay, Mission Viejo Mall, by the way. What a, like, random spot, first of all. (laughs) Um, But I – so right now I live uh, in Los Angeles now, and I've been in L.A. for over a decade. Uh, Like, I think, what, 15 years here? But 
uh, I still will drive my ass all the way to Mission Viejo Mall. At least I'd say once every couple months I'll do it because sure. it, it's the only place that has, it's called Paradise Cafe. Oh my gosh. Yes. The cookies. The cookies. Those cookies. The cookies. <laughs> Those damn cookies. <laughs> yes so soft so delicious so in a a little we get a little crunch on the outside edge Mm -hmm. soft and gooey in the middle so gooey yeah it's the best they have a a toasted uh, coconut chocolate chip that really does it for me so oh i've had it yeah oh i've had it familiar (laughs) so yeah i will drive my ass over there pop my little edible enjoy the ride and, (laughs) and get my dozen cookies and feast on them. But yeah, that's oh. why I go to Mission Viejo Mall. It's a, a gem, a little hidden gem of Orange County. Totally a hidden gem. One of the like only standing establishments with a Microsoft store still. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in your in your youth, were you the type to like potentially go to the Mission Viejo Mall for like a Cheesecake Factory lunch with your friends like in middle <laughs> school? And then like absolutely. a perusal of Nordstrom? Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I mean, a little pit stop at Charlotte Roost, maybe a little hot topic <laughs> if I'm feeling edgy. Your sure. mom drops you off and picks you up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She sent me the, the text to my Nokia brick. Um, <laughs> and oh, I loved it. Yeah. And it's funny because all my friends were like super rich. Um, not that I, well, I wasn't rich at all. Uh, but my, I didn't realize having like super wealthy friends and they would go to Nordstrom's and be like, should I get this Gucci bag? And I was just hoping to Stop. get like an iced coffee at E-Bar. <laughs> You know, oh like, because I, I had, I think it was like $15 and my, my mom did these, like, you can put money on a card, basically right. a gift card, but it's like a MasterCard for beginners. Um, <laughs> so I'd have that. And, uh, and I'd always like try on stuff like, should I buy these, you know, like Louis Vuitton pants? <laughs> like there's no, like, I'm sure the salespeople just hated us uh, or me at least. Um, but anyway, yeah, oh yes, I definitely embraced the, the mall experience as a kid. I was one of the classic teenagers that always used Nordstrom's generous return policy to recycle the same $200 probably over the course of like 10 years. Oh my God. You know what? They're, they're in, I don't know if their return policy is still as open as they used to be, but I've seen some crazy shit at Nordstrom's. <laughs> I, I mean, at one point, so one of my girlfriends was working customer service at South Coast Plaza. And uh, which I'm sure you guys are very familiar. We love. Yeah. (laughs) We love. We'll get into our history with South Coast Coast yet, but. (laughs) I love this podcast, by the way, is just going to be like a tour of Orange County. (laughs) A a retail tour, a mall tour of Orange County. So let's get into P.F. Chang. We'll we'll circle back to Fashion Island later uh, on. (laughs) Amazing. But uh, my girlfriend was telling me that someone came in uh, to return some items and it was, you know, a bunch of suits and they're Ralph Lauren suits that were beautiful in their day, but she's like my uh my uncle who i hadn't seen in like 10 years he died and um i cleaned out his closet and found all these suits and they still have the nordstrom's tag on them and i swear it was when nordstrom's like the font was completely different and it was just like a totally different look and these tags you know they must have been from like 1987 like the first nordstrom's in dallas texas and uh anyway they took the return no god bless that god bless them truly really so yeah i I, definitely took advantage of that return policy a few times in my youth i mean i've had the thought a few times to myself like if things get hard like especially when i was really broke like if things get hard i do have a few things i could return to nordstrom for like a quick (laughs) nine bucks (laughs) 
oh, things yeah. get real dark before oh, yeah. she gets on OnlyFans. Collateral, right. of course. Yeah, I thought this. I definitely thought the same way. Or if someone got me a gift and it had the Nordstrom tag, I was like, yes, cash. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for the cash. I mean, the sweater. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, Nordstrom confession. Um, when I was in the eighth grade, my childhood best friend Isabella and I we went and got Burberry coats for Nordstrom, mm, and this was mm-hmm. probably like the most. It was in like the height of the Gossip Girl phase. Oh, amazing so, time. 2007, oh, 2008, around that, I assume. Exactly. We're, we're stylish eighth graders, like right. ready to take on Manhattan. Headbands, um, our, long strand pearls. In our San Clemente High School or middle school. Anyway, we go, we get the Burberry trench coats. We basically never wear them because it's like too warm or whatever. <laughs> so let's fast forward like three years. And my, my friend Isabel and I are like chatting one day and we're like, you know what? We still have those Burberry <laughs> trench coats. Let's go see if we can get our money back. No. Let's oh, my God. Did you Wait, did you get him back? Let's just say on a warm afternoon in 2011, I got $400 richer. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. And wow. No regrets. No freaking regrets. I love it. Oh, my it. gosh. Yeah. I have such a su- special soft spot for Burberry because that was my first retail job. And I oh, was. was obsessed. To this day, I still love Burberry. But that was – I have so many coats and things because the uh, the discount you got at Burberry was insane. So my closet is Burberryed out to this day. Oh I gosh. refuse to get rid of any of the pieces. But, no, I'd get – you get, like, set, uh, during the holiday, You well, normally as an employee, you get 40 to 50% off. Um, and I worked in VIP relations. Okay. So oh, they gave – so they were like, we want you to wear the brand. Uh, for like these rich ass people that come and shop with you at South Coast Plaza. And then I worked at the Beverly Hills store, uh, but they would give us a little uh, incentive. So they give us 75 to 80% off. <gasps> so I was Are getting Burberry. Oh, it was incredible. I was getting Burberry stuff at like Zara prices. That's and- literally Burberry for free. Oh yeah. Oh, and then, well, I'd go to the outlet at Cabazon, which is like going to the desert area. Oh, we've been. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Outlet's my middle name. I love that you guys are very familiar with Capital. We love a factory store. Yes, we do. So there, I mean, because it's already discounted a lot there. So I would clean house. So yeah, my Burberry heyday, my mom has at least like 40 to 50 Burberry bags that she got for target prices. And yeah, it was it was the glory days. And now I couldn't even imagine spending that kind of money because the average coat there is it's around fifteen hundred dollars on the low end. Oh my um, gosh. It's really expensive. So I could never afford that stuff. Or by the way, afford it when I was working retail there. Like that's the smoke and mirrors of working high-end retail. Right. People think like, well, they look at you and you're wearing all this beautiful shit and it's super expensive. Um, but I'm like, ooh, like I hope I have a Chipotle gift card, you know, because <laughs> times are tough. <laughs> Tucked away in that $5,000 jacket. Yeah, I know. I literally had like an ostrich bag and like this beautiful $3,000 runway coat. And I'm like at Del Taco getting and my cards getting declined. And I'm like, oh, welcome to like, my I swear, life. I swear I just forgot to activate it. Yeah. Oh, I always use that one. Yeah. Oh my God. It's probably fraud because so many people know that I'm rich. I've been making so many purchases across the country all day long. Yeah. 
You know, this is just what happens when you travel a lot. They just turn off your card sometimes. Oh, yeah. gosh. I love – yeah, I always use those excuses. Especially, well, even when I worked retail, I felt that was tough because a lot of the times you'd have people come in and they're spending a lot of money. But you knew the the first-time bag buyers and, and spending, you know, $1,000 on a bag. Anything over, I think, like 500 it's like, holy crap, like it's an investment. Um, mm-hmm. But you'd see them, you know, their cards get declined and you could just tell they're sweating it. And they're like, right. you know, let me call. And I never embarrass them because I know, like, I was like, tr- like, we're in the same boat, sir. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd always say, I never, because it would come up as um, uh, transaction decline insufficient funds on our register. <gasps> And so I would always just say, oh, it looks like there is fraud. I said, I think you should handle that. And sometimes <laughs> I said, they can't remove it for up to 24 hours, sir. So I think you should really take a look um, with like a wink, wink. And so then it, they would excuse themselves to go call and never right. come back. So. That well, is so generous of that you. That is so, truly so nice. As someone who's gotten her card declined many a time and had to like, you know, excuse myself to go make a transfer from my savings to my checking uh, discreetly. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Uh, oh, yeah. That grace you've extended <laughs> to people. You know what, though? It's funny because retail people, I think that that's part of the one of the perks is getting to deny people returns and humiliate them at a cash register. <laughs> and there's a certain type of personality that I've worked with in retail. And it's just this kind of like snooty, right. like, we're not going to accept your return. And I'm like, in the long grand scheme of things, like return it, like who cares? I was super lenient. And then I started to get that reputation, which is probably why people were like, always go to him. Like he returns everything. Like I oh became, yeah. Um, but I just look at it like we're dealing with clothes here. Why am I going to ruin someone's life or like embarrass them? Or they're going to have a really tough month financially because I wouldn't take the bag back that they shouldn't have purchased totally. in the first place. You know? See, I, I probably would have been more on the side of like resenting the fact that I was working at Chanel and they were shopping at Chanel. So if they got declined, I probably would have been like, declined, and just blinked <laughs> and looked at them. <laughs> Gleeful. Oh, yeah. Totally. The only thing that I actually took a little bit of joy from was the we'd get really difficult customers all the time. These high-end retail stores, I mean, they're specific brands, Burberry. Burberry is for, I think, a professional person. You could get kind of all walks of life that walk in there. Mm-hmm. There are specific brands like Versace, for example. It's kind of like stupid money. You have to have a lot of it. And the Versace yeah. client is so specific. I mean, you're talking really loud, very body con, very flashy. So mm-hmm. those people are very weird. So <laughs> the people yes. that are a Versace shopper, it's like you're, you're a little cuckoo if you're spending that kind of time at Versace. I feel like you can't wear more than one Versace piece at a time without being an, a walking eyesore. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, it's a crazy loud, lots of prints, Medusa heads everywhere. Yes. Like yeah. too much like gold, like chains everywhere. No. Yeah, yeah, I know. There should be like a seizure warning on the labels. <laughs> really? I mean, amazing stuff, but it's it's a lot. But I remember at Burberry, people would, uh, and I worked at Versace for a little bit too, but uh, Burberry, I remember specifically people coming in to return bags and it would be like a really angry customer. You need to return this. It's an older bag and the handle's breaking and, and what kind of craftsmanship is this? I've spent this much money. And we knew because we've been trained, all of these sales associates are like, extensively trained on knowing knockoff bags and I knew it was a knockoff bag I knew and so this customer who's you know trying to rip me a new asshole getting so upset that I won't return their bag and I finally had to say it's not real ma'am I'm sorry (gasps) my husband bought you a fake bag Uh, (laughs) oh my gosh 
that happened a, a lot more than I'd like to admit. It was very common, fake scarves, fake bags, fake, fake trench coats. They'd get it from, you know, Santee Alley or Canal Street in New York and come and try and return it at our store. And sometimes it the, the worst part that I actually didn't take joy in was when it was a gift. Like a husband got his wife right. a fake bag as a gift and she's innocently wanting to exchange it for something different. I would be the, the person who would end up returning the bag uh, into the store and then letting her pick out a new one, and then I'd get written up. I got, like, three warnings, and I almost got fired for doing that. Oh, my gosh. Well, you probably have so much good karma right now. Like, I hope your life is going swimmingly because, like, you just were really banking the good karma in those days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Like, well, and, I, and I was like, oh, my God, like, she's probably going to be devastated if she finds out that her right. husband gave her a bag that's totally fake, and I don't know their backstory, but but anyway, she just seemed, like, so, and you could, it was, like, the one, I remember this one woman that came in, and you could tell she doesn't shop fancy retail like she even admitted she's like i don't shop at these kind of stores like i'm even nervous to be in here and she was so sweet and i'm like but your bag is so fake um so i said you know what this is an older collection piece Mm -hmm. i'm not sure we can give you full (laughs) retail value but but it looks like you can get the price point of a wallet so she's like oh great which was still 450 dollars so she was able to pick out a nice wallet. But um, yeah, I didn't want to humiliate or ruin her marriage. You're literally like Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot. Sure. Little fashion fairy of hope and dreams. <laughs> like the, getting someone a fake bag is grounds for divorce, in my really opinion. Is. Well, okay. When I was in China, I shopped in their like underground market for fake bags. And you guys, it is like <laughs> so crazy. Like the the theatrics involved in these some of these stores like you go into the store and well first of all you don't know how to get to the like a, the place where they sell them so you just have to walk outside of it because you can't like you have to be ushered in so then like a oh, lady wow. will approach you and she'll like wait this is like in. this is like a, a, a regular storefront and then they have like the secret fake bag part this is like an underground like it's like an underground like, plaza like an underground swap meet yes like, that's like an underground Exactly. It's like, a, oh, but so but cool. it's all like fake stuff and it's underground and there's no storefront. So you have to go outside like a museum and then some random, like they're like what? always like hunting down the people that know where it is. Yeah. And so they'll come out, they'll usher you in and then, um, and then they'll take you into the store and then you have to, and there's like, there's like a hundred stores in the underground place. And then you have to get them to take you to the secret store in the secret store so they'll take you like you'll have to like kind of like ask for it ask for it ask for it it's fine they'll take you to the secret store and then like while you're like shopping in the secret store the and this is where all the really really good fakes are where it's like genuine leather like it's i i think they probably are like identical um they literally will like at one point they like turned off all the lights and like shh 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 please shh shh like they like make it seem I'm not kidding. They make it seem like you're like literally like like they're you're about to be hunted down potentially. So it's very exciting to buy a fake bag in China, I will say. Oh my god, amazing. I love that it's yes. like the underground railroad of fashion. Seriously. You very did fascinating stuff. Lauren did get me a really good Gucci fake. And yes. oh, nice. I guess I'm coming uh clean, I guess, over the airwaves about having one Gucci bag that's fake. So but no one would know. I mean, if it's a good one, like I, hell, honestly, I don't think anyone would know. And now that I had to have a real one, I feel like you know it's all the same. Yeah. Oh, for it's, sure. It's a watch. Wait. Okay. So we need to back up. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even oh, yeah. introduce our oh, amazing sorry. guest. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. That's amazing. 
Okay, low. Wait, low. Can you please tell me how to pronounce your last name? Sure. Yeah, it's von Rumpf. Von Rumpf. Uh, yeah, oh, von Rumpf. Uh, very easy. Not at all. V O N R U M P F. Super German. But I, I see. I have a very German last name, but I'm super Hispanic. But you know, whatever. It works. I love it. Just a quick rolling R. No big deal. I can't even. No. I will, I'm not even going to try because I can't roll my R's. So. Yeah, I get a lot of mispronunciations of it, but it's easy breezy, just low. I'll go by low, which is short for Lorenzo, which is my first name. Oh, I love it. So cute. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Lorenzo Uh, von Rumpf. Hilaria is extremely jealous. Um, (laughs) So, Lo, you recently started a podcast called The Low Show. That's just a total hit and people are loving. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised it is a hit, to be honest. (laughs) I mean – we're only 20 minutes into this and I completely understand. It is, yeah. you are a delight, truly. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, the whole podcast space, I launched it during a pandemic and I was, I was nervous. I got like the anxiety diarrhea and I was like, sure. oh my God, is this going to be, and my producers had said like, just so you know, like, you know, let's have some low expectations for this situation because <laughs> oh my God. there's like a thousand podcasts launched every day <laughs> during a pandemic. Uh, but, you know, I think what's cool is, and I don't you know, I don't have like millions of followers on Instagram, like a lot of my clients and friends and stuff. So I was like, probably no one's going to be into this. But the podcast space, which is really nice, is you can carve out a, a really nice audience for yourself. And people kind of pass it on like a good book almost. Like the totally. podcast world is totally different. You don't need to have a million followers to have a good podcast. It doesn't matter, honestly. Yeah. Um, you could do is it. That- just it gets uh, word spreads. Is that the story you told yourself when you saw how many followers we had on Instagram? You're like, I guess I'm going to go on their podcast. I hope it's worth it. Exactly what I said. No, I I don't even see. I don't even pay attention to that because I have one of one of my girlfriends has a really successful podcast and has tons of listeners and she doesn't really have social media. Like she's not like crazy. And I don't know. It's just to each their own, but I don't really, the numbers don't really, I don't know. They don't really matter in the long run when it comes to the podcast world, even influencing right. world. I'm like, or social media. I'm like, ah, people are so over it. I think at this point, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. So it really is. A lot of those are bought and paid for, mm, bought and paid so for true. followers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That do nothing and are total, it's totally smoke and mirrors, but that's a whole other conversation. But your day job is that you are a stylist to the, to the stars, to the oh, celebrities. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> to the star. I have, uh, well, I hate to say normal people too, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do style uh, all walks of life. I focus mainly on people in the entertainment industry. So there's a lot of producers, agents, uh, I guess celebrities, yeah. actors, uh, singers, and stuff like that. But it's been—I've been doing it ten years. This ride, oh I started—I'm I'm 31 right now, and I started at 21 is when I got wow. my first my my first client, and I've been doing it since. Oh my gosh! Um, did you start in New York, or were you have you always been in LA? Always been in LA. I came okay. to LA with just hopes and dreams packed in a little suitcase Ugh. and just wanting to make it. Dropped out of college and was like, all right, let's do this. I didn't know I was going to do fashion. I thought I was going to be an actor or like, have you ever watched Entourage, the show? I've seen a little bit of it. Well, there's a character who's kind of an asshole named Ari Gold. And he's like <laughs> this loud mouth, like agent that's always slamming his cell phone. And he's like, you know, get me Scorsese. Like he's like that type, you know, Spielberg's online. Right, one. Right. Fuck. 
So I was like, I want to be that so bad and like wear power suits and just, just like all- a nightmare. Yeah. Like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was tired of being the nice guy at Burberry. Right. I was ready to be a total dick. Um, so I thought I'd get into like publicity or something cool like that. And then I was doing like little modeling gigs as a kid. So I uh-huh. always was familiar with the, the entertainment world. Um, I mean, I say, make it sound like I was an Olsen twin for God's sake. <laughs> My life on the stage as a child, like I did some stupid commercials and stuff as a child, but, um, and then modeling in like high school years and stuff like that. But I mean, that was going to end very soon if you're, you know, a model in that time. And right. I had like, I'm a, I'm a biracial, I'm got a splash of white, but a lot of uh, Latin mix in there. And the look was like Abercrombie and Fitch type of a vibe. And I was like <laughs> more of a La Julio type of a look. <laughs> El Torito. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because literally I feel like the only place that people scout for like child models is at the Mission Viejo Mall. Oh, like that, that's where I got my big start. <laughs> like literally. Out, literally outside of Paradise Bakery in the food court, like yeah. people get stopped. Yeah, I was eating my fucking cookie, <laughs> getting stopped to have life-changing moment for my career. A starlet. So, yeah, a starlet. So as soon as I got into the business uh, of like modeling and stuff, and I realized mm, this isn't going to work. And it was at a photo shoot. And I remember I was uh, 19 years old. And this photographer um, had booked me f- uh, as a model for this denim campaign. It was me and like four other people, I believe. And the stylist, all the, the merchandise was there, but the stylist didn't show up. I don't know what happened to her, but this was in downtown LA and it was for like catalog work. And this photographer was like, you know, all irritated. We're waiting on this person. So I just stepped up and was like, Hey, uh, I can style it. You know, why don't I put the looks together? And he's like, sure. He's like, at this point, like anyone can do it. I'm just want to get this shit started. So I did it and loved it. It was so fun putting the looks together and getting to be creative in that moment. And then I actually enjoyed it more than actually being in front of the camera. And I was like, wait, this is actually really cool. And then he called me about four or five months later and I hadn't been booking a lot of modeling work. It was slow for me. And uh, <laughs> so I picked up like on the first ring. I'm like, hello. <laughs> And, and he was like, I got a shoot on Thursday. Uh, do you, I'd like to book you for, are you down? And I was like, oh yeah, like I've been living in the gym. And he's like, no, not as a model. No, like, fuck. He's like, uh, I want to book you to style it. Do you want to style it? And I was like, oh. Um, and then I automatically felt insecure. Like I'm ugly. And then oh, realized, oh I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to style this. And, and that was pretty much where it started and I just said yeah I'd love to and he's like do you have styling experience and I'm like absolutely um I didn't but you're like I, do you know how many hours I've spent in the Mission Viejo mall yeah. <laughs> so I kind of just yeah I took that opportunity and you know not to say it was success from then on but it definitely was a little lighter uh, a lit a match to a career a snowball effect of it started to grow slowly but surely and now you know 10 years later boom I'm, I'm still doing it Right. That's I feel incredible. like that's the way like a lot of those things happen. It's kind of like happenstance and by chance. And then all of a sudden it's just like what you do. Yeah. And, and I, I think that I got in at a really great time because this was like 2007, eight type era, I guess, like early 2000s. Okay. So, but there wasn't like social, we had MySpace, but like Instagram and all these other amazing social media platforms weren't really a thing. So 
I mean, traditionally, uh, for booking work, you have you present your book, and if you you get a really good book, and you can do you show your advertorial, your editorial side, and your red carpets, and then you present that to big agencies. This is like old school. I sound like I'm sixty. I'm not, <laughs> and I'm like back in my day. You know, and then like you I'm, hand them a floppy disk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like when you hear like Janice Dickinson, like the world's first supermodel. And I'm like, you know, and um, so I remember building my quote unquote book and giving it to big agents and managers. And I I mean, it was truly a fake it till you make it moment. Um, And and, and it was smoke and mirrors. And I I had really beautiful girlfriends uh, that I would and, and hot dudes that I would shoot that I was close with. And I knew photographers just from being friends and in LA with people. And I would use those connections, build this uh, book, Smoke and Mirrors, and then present it to these big uh, uh, agencies and stuff and say like, Hey, I'd love to work with, you know, talent or actors and stuff. And they, they bought it. They bit. Now you fake it till you make it, but you still have to deliver the goods. You can't fail. You totally. Know? So you have to hold yourself to that standard. But, but now what I'm saying is for a stylist that wants to make it in the industry now, it's easier and it's more difficult in the, big scale of things yeah. because you you really can't fake it as much because you, you're going to be caught faking it like you just people look you up on instagram and they could see if it's you know bullshit.com you know totally um people sense they can see that so but it, you also have access to celebrities so it's a double-edged sword you have access to more people now that i would have never had access to when i first started but yeah anyway not to get into all of that it's, but it's, yeah i mean it's so funny. So basically what you're saying is where you were styling people around the era of the low rise jeans mm, and the mm-hmm. camisoles, like the Marissa Cooper look from the OC. Oh, like, iconic <laughs> in every way. I loved it. Like, I just feel like the fashion of like the mid two thousands is like really special in like a horrifying way. In a, <laughs> in a very, like those jeans. I remember Paris Hilton rocking yes. those jeans that were right above like her like vaginal bone. Yes, like, like it there's was... an inch. Of like yeah. of material above like Almost her, like it, her vagina. Is that like pubic hair? Like it was so low. Like it's yeah, so low. And then just like the tiny little tank tops, and I mean, it was horrifying fashion, but like incredible at the same. But time. iconic. Oh. Yeah. Your life, like you lived and died by whether like how expensive your jean pocket made people think you, or how like expensive your jeans look. Like was that a seven design? Is that a page denim? Oh yes. Oh my god, seven jeans. Seven. Everything. So, is she playing the $127 jean game or is she in the 214? I mean, there was a time, speaking of Cabazon, there was a time in my life when we went to the Cabazon outlets and there was a true religion uh, outlet. I don't know if either of you remember. Um, I, I had to like, you know, obviously buy my own clothes. And so I went to like their sale bin and I got a pair of white corduroy true religions that had a large brown stain on the back where like the, the label had like bled out or like oh, just and I was like, I'll just wear a long shirt. It's totally fine. I just really want these designer jeans. <laughs> anything for anything for that like horseshoe logo or whatever. Right. It is. Oh, anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Von Dutch, I love a good hat. And oh, I had yes. probably 50 Von Dutch hats. Ed Hardy. Oh my god. Oh, oh my eat, breathe, and live. <laughs> Ed freaking Hardy. Yeah, you know it's making a comeback, which is so weird to say that. But Von I mean, Dutch, what do you mean it's making a comeback? Um, it's the latest trend of 2021. Stop. Is, 
I, it's crazy because so um, Ed, Ed Hardy and Von Dutch, specifically Von Dutch, is coming back full throttle. They actually hired a, a PR showroom here in Los Angeles. No way. And they're trying to do like a whole resurgence. And you'll see like random people. I, I think it was like Kristen Stewart or something. And, you know, Kristen Stewart, like outside of playing Princess Diana, which is a oh mess. Gosh. We'll get into that. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but she'll dress like, you know, like white shirt, you know, like in ripped up jeans and she had right. a Von Dutch hat on. So, Stop. Oh, yeah. So there's people that are trying to make it make a comeback, which is kind of, I don't know, I'm not mad at it. I'm like, it's nostalgic for me. Right. So I look at it and for a lot of like younger people, they're like, ooh, fun. They have no idea that it's been around forever. People love like an, an iconic, like nostalgic piece of merch, you know, yeah. and like Von Dutch and Ed Hardy are very much so like merchy type of thing. Oh, like the juicy sweatsuit? Yes. I'm never going to tire of it. Yes. It's still never. everything to me. Yeah. Okay. Did you see the text message that Kagan sent me that I posted on Instagram about Clean Simple Eats? He said, SOS, we are out of the chocolate flavor of Clean Simple Eats, which by the way, I really didn't know that we could get it for free. So I've been paying full price and just ordering because I literally am a paying customer of this company. Clean Simple Eats, everyone, is the purveyor of the best protein powder on the planet. Can we just say, we've had some people get converted to the religion of clean symbol eats and they have messaged us saying you were right. It is so delicious. It will make milk taste like chocolate milk. If you get the brownie batter or, you know, I love to put oh. the vanilla in a fruit smoothie. You just, you can't go wrong. You can't mess it up either. I would say you, it is so good. Someone texted me. They're like, does it have a weird aftertaste? I'm like, no, this is clean this is- simple eats. It tastes like melted ice cream, just mixed in cold water. And it's made from clean grass fed, perfect ingredients. Mm hmm. What yeah. more do you people want? What more do you out want? Of this world? What more do you want? Yeah. I don't know. Cleansimpleeats.com, everyone. Go try the vanilla, try the chocolate. Use our code Popologist for 10% off. We love the sponsor. I'll be drinking Clean Simple Eats on my deathbed. I hope so. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonAndBeachesVacation.com. Yeah. Wait, can I ask a logistical question? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say like you're someone who's like, you know, you have like okay style, like maybe like Chandler, and um, they Excuse you want to come, me? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, wow, you want to come to low to get, you know, to get like styled a glow up what, for sure, a glow up. What what are like the fees like? And you don't have to tell me your fees, but like, what are stand like? What what would Chandler expect to pay for like whatever help you could give her? So we offer at uh, www.lvrstyle.com several different packages. So let's say if well with with you, Chandler, if you wanted to do, I'd want to do a closet audit first. Probably for sure, I would definitely need that. Yeah, clean so we. House. Yeah, let's clean some house. Let's get rid of some of those old jeans and things. And then and then I'd probably want to do, you know, I don't usually do personal shopping anymore with clients. Yeah. I mean, eh, I no, I'll usually just get everything um, sent to their house and then we mm-hmm. can go through it together. Right. But uh, it ranges for, uh, for every person, I guess, based on what their needs and wants are. But you're going to start around like 
the $1,500 is like where you're going to start off at. uh, And that's for like a closet audit. And then it goes up to there, depending on how many hours are needed, how big the closet is, the amount of work that I'm going to need to put into it. The question is, it's a lot of work. Do you offer payment plans? Definitely. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have payment plans. I have one client and she pays me in Botox and filler. Incredible. Um, I I don't have any like goods or services to trade you with. I'll just have to finance this. (laughs) (laughs) We do a payment plan. That's totally fine. After pay. I love it. Yeah. And even with some, some of my clients they are like, uh, you know, I just need like a couple looks. Can you help me out? And, and I know, especially during right now in these times, you know, sometimes you have to be pretty fluid with working with someone's budget. If you want to build something with someone, yeah. sometimes I'm in it for the long run and I'm like, okay, uh, this person just needs a little bit of help and I'm not about to charge them, you know, $5,000 for a full overhaul, you know, we'll work within their budget or, you know. I feel like t-shirt. what I would need the most is just someone to tell me if my graphic tees are ironic and cute or if they're actually just ugly. And like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm constantly being told by my family to stop wearing graphic tees and to quote dress for my face, um, which I don't do very well, allegedly. So I, that's what, like, that's the type of audit I would need. I love that they're like dressed for your face. What is that? <laughs> like, what does that mean? They're like, so a hoodie? Like, what do you? Let me explain the dress for your face philosophy. And I think this is something that you could bring to your business. So you're welcome. I'm excited. Um, really, it's like, okay, if you have a classically pretty face and you have a feminine face, you have fe- like you have, you know, you're a feminine looking woman from the neck up. Thank you, Lauren. Then- <laughs> Like, we don't need an Avril Lavigne aesthetic from the neck down, you know? We should have something that accentuates and elevates. And I know there can be, like, cool contrasts or whatever, but I don't think Chandler really has nailed that balance. And so I think, like, (laughs) to keep it simple, let's just dress for your face. Let's keep it all, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, same wavelength. I I didn't foresee this intervention. For the record, I didn't foresee this at all, and I pers- I came out to have a good time, and I feel attacked. Yeah, I feel personally <laughs> attacked. We're but, gonna start putting in Chandler some cute little turtleneck, <laughs> and I don't know. Honestly, I haven't seen Chandler's face yet. This is I can't see. Guys, well, but. yeah, prepare to be like let down by my clothing. Um, Lauren, on the other hand, I feel like wears too many like uh, prairie tops, like a little bit. Like she's <laughs> yes. she's gone full Quaker on us in an attempt to look mm. feminine. Yeah. And Are we going breaking Amish vibes? Are you like making yes. sure no skin is showing, honey? Rump springer, baby. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I just want to look like like the, a perpetual virgin until I'm like in the grave. I love that. No, I I'm okay with yeah, little house in the prairie. Embrace the doily little frills and ruffles. <laughs> it's, it's sweet. It's very sweet, Lauren. You, you know what's actually funny is I was with my uh, fiance this morning looking at clothes and he was like, please don't buy any of that. Like he was like kind of taking a look at what I was buying because he hates my style. And he was like, what about you just like why, – why don't you just get like some shirts, wear your like, cutoff jeans and some Converse? And I finally turned to him I'm like, listen, you didn't find me in Hobie. I'm not like a basic, <laughs> you know, like the local surf and sport bitch. Like – and I'm sorry, but like it's never gonna happen. So give up on this. Anyway. Let it freaking go and just embrace your ruffles and your Amish vibes. He I really said, wants my... to dress like a pier rat or someone. Like oh, the... that just hangs around, <laughs> hangs around the San Clemente Pier. 
He yeah. seriously wants me to dress like I also like potentially spend have a hobby of like skating on a like a half pipe or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just yeah. told him, I was like, if my clothing makes me look average or if my clothing is average, that's false advertising. Okay. So it's just actually never gonna happen. This is incredible words of wisdom. It's I mean, it's almost to that level of like a Maya Angelou, like the type <laughs> of <laughs> profound words you are speaking, Queen. And I completely agree with you. And I will Thank say you. that. That uh, when it comes to guys, what they like with women's style, it's interesting. I read this GQ article and it was this whole thing uh, about the Louboutin and how expensive they are, of course. And and I know just from my clients, they always request a Louboutin and I'm like, no, because I know how uncomfortable they are. And and I think you should definitely, you know, if you want to wear a heel, rock it, but you should try and find one that's remotely comfortable. And I mean, Louboutins, the arch is insane. Anyway, it's not a realistic heel for most women. Some can wear them, most cannot. That being said, they did this poll on GQ and it was what guys find the most attractive and overwhelming. It was like 88% of men, they want a girl wearing Chuck Taylors and some cut off shorts and an oversized t-shirt, little to no makeup, maybe a little cystic acne. It was just like really just downplayed and that's what guys just want to keep it i guess real at this point and i don't know they just like more of the tomboy look i mean generally speaking and more than and i think there's some truth to it because i think when women back when we could go out you know about 10 years ago yeah, right um uh, women would dress you dress to impress other women you know totally you want to look mean, good but- for you, you want to look good for your girlfriends but honestly men can be lizard brains like they have no idea about fashion or like anything mm-hmm. And so oftentimes, yeah, they just want you in like literally converse and like, you know, cutoffs. Chandler, as she's she's speaking to a man, she's like, did you know that men can be lizard brains? (laughs) (laughs) Straight men, we should say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, straight men, of course. I feel like I'm a hybrid between both. I'm definitely a guy, but I'm very in touch with my feminine side. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and you're... You're a professional, like, fashionista. So, like, of course yeah. you're not a lizard brain, but the yeah, most you're not I've dealt with. You know what's interesting, though, about, the like, with gay dudes in general, there's this, uh, what's it called, stereotype, predisposed thought, which isn't a bad thing, that a lot of gay men have great style. But I will say, being in that gay community, that they have the worst style for the really? most part. A lot of gay guys can't dress for shit. And I, I mean, I just know from, you know, having a lot of gay people in my life and they have terrible fashion sense. I think that they are attracted to uh, clothing and they love, you know, expressing themselves through mm-hmm. different colors and stuff. So they could impart their knowledge on their female best friend. But from what I've seen is a lot of them, I'm like, that is like the worst. And and I don't know. I just think they're gay and they might love the clothes. But it doesn't mean they're, they could be a stylist. And a lot of gay men are like, like they love to throw shade outfits or give their input. And I'm like, take a seat, you know, Henry, you don't know oh what you're talking God. about. Even though you're <laughs> gay, just because you like dick doesn't mean you have good taste. You know what I mean? hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I t- that's why I tell Chandler. Um, <laughs> Wait, Lo, I have to ask you a random question. Yeah. What part of LA do you live in? Uh, I'm in, I'm in the, it's considered the Valley. Oh, you're in the Valley. Okay. Studio City. Okay. I used to live in LA for like two years. Oh, nice. What, what part of LA did you live in? Um, I was in, the, I was on the West side. So I was in Westwood. 
Oh, I mean, it's beautiful over there. It's so interesting because the friends that I have, so the Valley for, I guess, your listeners, if they're not familiar with Los Angeles, but uh, the Valley would be like Universal Studios type area. And then I'm I'm 10 minutes from Hollywood, but the West side is all of, I'd say like 30, 40 minutes for me. Yeah. So that's yeah. like uh, Brentwood, uh, Santa Monica, Venice, all of that area. And I've had a couple friends, you know, that I've had to say goodbye to because oh. they have moved to the West side. Ooh, and- yeah. Like we wouldn't, unfortunately, if I lived there still, we wouldn't be able to be friends. Like no. <laughs> we'd be pen pals. Definitely pen pals. But I, I had a job in um the, the godforsaken El Segundo. Ooh. So I had to live on the, uh, I had to live on the West side for my commute. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's an aggressive commute. But the, the East side and like the Valley is much cooler, I would say. And well, it, yeah, it, it used to have like, a, oh, the valley, Ooh. like people would think that. But now no. you know, I, I moved here because one, all the studios are here. So you have Warner Brothers and all the major studio, like the Ellen lot and all that stuff. Yeah. Is here. Um, but all my clients live over here. So right. I, I used to live in uh, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills area for like over five years. And then I decided I got to go to the valley because I'm having to go there so much anyway for clients. I should just get a spot over there. And then I ended up loving it. And now it feels just like. West Hollywood and stuff, all the same type of great restaurants. And it's totally. really, they've built it up so much. It's great. But it I still mean, has a familial vibe. Like you'll still right. see the, the moms with their little private school kids, and you know. Like it's so be like Topanga Canyon and like, I mean, I guess like the hills are kind of technically a little bit over there, but like Pasadena so beautiful. And oh, like yeah, Los, great. Los Feliz. I don't know if you say Los Feliz. I never I learned. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, right? yeah I, I, I usually say like Los Feliz, but yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we love LA. Wait, Lo, I'm dying to know as much as I love the geography tour. I'm dying to know as someone who's worked with celebrities, um, what for you have you witnessed and this totally anonymous, you don't have to name names, but have you witnessed like truly diva behavior or has everyone been like wonderful? I have witnessed some of the worst people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> And I am ready to name names. All right, you guys ready? Let's start. Jennifer Lopez, total fuck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Although I have, I have literally, you guys are like, oh my God, this is going to be like trending podcast. I literally, I we are going really viral. Like famous. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Lo. <laughs> no, I will say, well, I've never worked with Jennifer Lopez, but she has quite the reputation about her and within oh, the industry. Really? She does. And the thing is, I'm sure she's lovely, but I've heard she's not. And... <laughs> And that's from several people over several years. And usually where there's smoke, there's fire. I like to say this, though, because I remember this one time I booked this client and she's notorious. And I won't say her name because I don't want to end my entire career um, on this podcast. But uh, I remember I booked her and everyone's like, oh, you're working with that person. Like, she's a nightmare and she's the literal worst and her team's insane. Like, good luck. Like, you're going to want to pull your hair out working with someone like this. And, and she's notoriously rude, mean. Um, she doesn't even allow people to make eye contact with her if they're what? on her team. Yeah. Yes. It's just very in- intense. Uh, and she's, she's also a method actress. So it depends on the role she's playing. So she feels a little bipolar at times, which is totally fine. But I heard this and I went into it like, I'm so excited to see what happens. <laughs> so uh, because I look at it like, I don't know, my personality is kind of like, are you familiar with the breed of of dog pugs? Uh, um, yes, I feel I like am I'm familiar. 
thank you. I love them. I have one. And so I feel like I'm kind of like a pug personality. So I'm just going in there sniffing around and just (laughs) wanting to make you happy. And that's what pugs do. So I'm like, it's, if you must be quite a monster, if you're trying to, you know, ruin a pug's day. Right. Right. Anyway, I went in there just kind of like I was aware, but uh, she actually was lovely and so nice to me. And I don't think it's because I went in, maybe because I went in with different energy, but I didn't have that preconceived notion of her. I let that go when I walked in. And I realize now, and I, I'm friends with a lot of actors, actresses, some I don't style, some I do, but I will say this, some of them have a reputation of being the absolute worst. And and it just takes that one chance, that one off, you're you know having a bad day right. and you freaking lose it on a makeup artist, which you should never do, but it can happen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that, I mean, this bubble of entertainment is so small so if you end up you know really rubbing someone the wrong way or disrespecting or whatever it could be word spreads fast and then all of a sudden you're now called a bitch or an ultimate diva or an asshole on set so that reputation can happen now I've had it happen to me and even then I remember I had one client she had a full-blown meltdown losing her shit really oh it was before a red carpet and she she's a total introvert doesn't like to do like red carpets. And I understand like doing an event instead of it being a joyous occasion, which most people kind of embrace it. And it's like, I look at it like, Oh my God, you're getting to go to an Oscar party or whatever, whatever. Screaming your name where people are screaming your name and you're going to be in a room with all of your fellow colleagues. And you also get, you know, usually a great gift basket and you get to get dressed up in like thousands of dollars of free shit. Like you should really enjoy this moment. For some people, that sounds exciting. For others, it sounds like the worst. So she was one that felt like it was the worst. And she rather just not be at any events. And she hated socializing. So anyway, leading up to an event, oh, it was intense. She uh, would get real worked up. And it was always going to be someone was going to bear the brunt. We didn't know who. She's either going to lose it on the hair, lose it on the makeup, or lose it on the stylist. And it was almost like we kind of all knew going into it. Like, who's she going to lose it on today? And it had... But we ne- we continued to work with her, but we never took it personal because we looked at it like that's one, how she manages her stress yeah. ter- terribly, but yeah. that's how she handles it. <laughs> so uh, nice. <laughs> and two, I'm not going to take it personal. And, and it was for like the dumbest stuff, you know, like she was upset, you know, one time and it was, you know, oh my God, like the, I think, what was her like gripe for this one? Oh, it was there was like, uh, it was a silk type dress and she's freaking out about wrinkles on the fabric. Like, I can't sit. I can't sit. Should oh I get a, gosh. should we, should we need to get a bus to like, <laughs> so I could stand and it should deliver me in a bus. And she's just <laughs> like, you know, going through. And then of course her team is like so far up her ass because they're all on payroll. Mm-hmm. But I never, one, I'll never be up someone's ass kissing that hard because I look at it like, uh, I never want to feel indebted to someone. Right. I can always let a client go. Mm-hmm. And I've had to do that. And I think that gives me some sort of uh, control in the moment. And never, like, that's like being in a shitty relationship, you know? Like, I don't want to leave them because I'll never be with someone it's else toxic. again. Yeah. It is toxic. So luckily now, everybody on my roster is awesome, incredible. And I, I weaned out a lot of the crazy. But sometimes I'll still get a little cuckoo bird in the mix and I give them the benefit of the doubt. So yeah, I have experience to a long winded answer, but I have experienced some extreme diva meltdown behavior. I've been around a guy who's an actor who was just like not a nice person. Uh, And again, maybe he was just having a bad day, but he was, he was on one and he was just, you know, 
just being rude to everybody on set, not respectful of time, super late, making everybody wait, you know, and it was, it was a really terrible experience. Um, and it makes it not even worth the the payment at that point. It, so totally. it's like, why be, I think now um, on those like diva type behavior, like Mariah Carey, who is oh my gosh. incredible. I mean, Saint patron Mariah. saint, literally Thank jinx. You. Oh my God. <laughs> Are you a lamb too? Yes. I'm a, I'm a loyal Mariah I was actually going to ask you if, like one of my questions for you was if you'd read her book. I haven't. Oh shit. I just dropped my headphones. Pardon me. Um, I have not read her book yet, but that is on my like to-do list of things it's, to do this week, actually. It's actually, yeah. It's like the next thing I'm going to buy with my next Audible credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's notoriously a diva. And, yes. and And I think she embraces it. She, I've. I know a lot of people who have worked closely with her. I've actually had an opportunity. They're like, do you want to style Mariah? And it was for her stylist was like, I think out of the country. And they, and I, I knew someone on her team and they're like, we can get you in if you want to do a one-off with her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like gay Christmas has come early. <laughs> uh, but I had to pass because I thought oh, you should never, what's that phrase? Like, don't meet your heroes. They'll disappoint right. you. And I thought, oh, I don't like Mariah ripping me a new one over a corset or something. Like I just... I just want to keep Mariah like beautiful and talented and totally. a diva that I don't have to get involved with. Plus the rate was shit. So I was like, nah, it's not worth it in the long run. I'll let, you know, keep Mariah iconic and without tears in my heart. Totally. So, uh, but anyway, I think nowadays though, with social media, with like platforms and podcasts and especially like Instagram and stuff, it weeds out the, the mean people. If you're not a nice person, it's going to come out. Yes. People I will mean, no. I was going to ask, do you follow Dumois? No. Okay. What? Oh, what? Whoa. Wait, you know about Dumois. Wait, what? Who the hell's Dumois? Okay. Wait, where have you been? Low. I know, under a pandemic rock. What the hell? <laughs> We're in a panorama, but one of the best things to come out of, <laughs> out of this panorama is Dumois. It's an anonymous, like, uh, blind gossip account that just posts DMs from people who have had celebrity experiences. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I don't follow them, but I've had screenshots of yes. the posts sent to me. Okay, yeah, I'm in the know. Somewhere. So Dumois <laughs> is like, yeah, it's it's wonderful. But I feel like, to your point, like you can't really like have a human moment or like mess up or blow up on somebody without it just immediately going live. Oh, yeah, really, though. And, and then that becomes the label on you. You're mm-hmm. now the difficult one. You're the nightmare on set. And it's like, I mean, I think sometimes it's kind of fun to like read up on that stuff because it's, it's escapism, kind of, you know, to find out like it's like, you know, gossip and stuff. But but yeah, it's it's broad strokes, you know. Totally. Well, and there's a lot of celebrities, like I think Leslie Mann, like always gets a really bad, um, she does. like review, like on there, like, but people pretty much consistently say that she's the worst person. But then there's like, I feel like for the most part, most of the celebrities are like a pretty mixed bag. Like some person will say, Oh, t- stop saying that, you know, Owen Wilson is the worst. Like I've run into him and he was an absolute delight. So mm-hmm. it, it also like allows for some nuance. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. Um. Question. Okay. On the topic of celeb gossip, can you tell me how you feel about all of everything going on with Army Hammer and if you're following it? Okay, following it so closely. This is a like a sport for me. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with this Hannibal Lecter? So here's the thing. I was so interested in Jeffrey Dahmer. I've watched all these documentaries about that sicko psychopath. And I love a good crime documentary. And I'm like, wait, is Army Hammer like eating people? Like, right. 
oh, this is wild stuff. And I always, I'm so fascinated by the Army Hammer thing. I've gotten to meet him. He's actually lovely in person. Uh, it was like in a an event type setting. So I think he was just on, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. He wasn't like, I'm craving ribs, human ones <laughs> when I met him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I always think, cause he comes from a billionaire family, like he's yes. loaded. So you yeah. know, if, for those who don't know, Arm and Hammer baking soda, like granddaddy Arm and Hammer created that. Mm-hmm. So he's part of the billionaires club. Acting is almost like a hobby at this point. He doesn't need the paycheck. Um, he's Do a you great feel like actor. With Arm and Hammer, like when you're that rich, like just having normal sex just kind of gets boring and you have to like, you know, convert to ca- cannibalism. Uh, absolutely i do there i've met a many a rich folk in my day and like uncomfortably rich stupid rich is a very small demographic of people uh where it's like there's a lot of rich people in la and are like rich tiktokers and shit like that but for you to have like old money and like you come from wealth that's Mm -hmm. you know xoxo gossip girl waldorf (laughs) type money honey oh my god so i think there's always a little bit of like there's you become a little eccentric perhaps a little bit weird you're untouchable and and you're untouchable and you get bored because you have access to everything it's kind of like oh this is another weird thing but um i was working with a couple professional athletes and i was uh, asking one of my clients and he's a professional football player plays in the nfl and he was telling me i said are there a lot of like undercover like gay dudes in the nfl like i'm so curious because that would be hot and he's like like, um he goes i don't know if they're gay he goes but there's you'd be surprised at like football players that like to hook up with dudes and he goes i know a lot of my my friends because they have so many women throwing themselves at them these are you know single dudes some of them married perhaps which is terrible but um they maybe they have open marriages i don't know but basically they get so bored with i guess all of their sexual desires are met. They have allergies totally. that they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to sleep with a dude. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I'm going to conquer a man now. Right. I it's don't just know. Like, it's, it's just satisfying like your curiosity and like you just can, you know? Yeah. And Whatever. I guess like doing that is, I guess, more socially acceptable. Like you could be bisexual, <laughs> you know, like sure. You want, but then, yeah. But like actually wanting to feast on someone's flesh is a little different in Army Hammer, but also his Finsta came out. I'm like, what friend <gasps> betrayed him and did that? Right. Do you guys know that? Oh, yeah. Celebrities can also be so dumb. It's like, do not post on their Finsta. Like, no matter what, people are going to screen record that shit and it's going to come out. Yeah. Like, but they can't help themselves, in my I opinion. See, I didn't see the video, but my, my friend was telling me that basically he, like, did uh he was driving down pch had a drink and then like snorted coke or did like took ecstasy or some sort of a drug yeah. while he's driving and was like Woo-hoo, like bottoms up homies like you know and he, he was unhinged completely yeah you guys if i i feel like if i had been a 22 year old girl in la and i had met army hammer like you know arm and hammer prince <laughs> and he had told me he wanted to eat one of my ribs i would have been like no problem. Like I'm gonna start doing <laughs> doctors. Like I, I do you want a toe? Like what else do you want? Like do you need me to Google smokers too? Like I would have no. been so all over it. Smokers. So- <laughs> For like a smoked rib, you a, sick. A Traeger Listen. grill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on some level, it's like, is this kind of also a small price to pay? I don't right. know. Right. I mean, yeah. 
the the branding thing is is where I would have to like leave him behind. Like I think I would be cool with it until he wanted to brand me. His like a, the letter A like you know on my pelvis. It's very similar. Did you guys get? Yeah. Did you guys watch the uh, Nexium Sex Cult documentary? Yeah. Oh, we have a PhD in all things Keith Raniere. Oh, oh my God. Well, welcome, fellow doctor, because <laughs> same. <laughs> I freaking love it. And I did a deep dive into that sicko. And yeah, with the whole branding thing, it's a psychological. He's a complete narcissistic weirdo. And I, I think uh, Army Hammer falls into that. It's a, it's a sense of narcissism, power over somebody and branding. Like, but I totally. Are. I mean, but honestly, like, if if I had to choose one person that was like going to put me on a 500 calorie deficit diet a day, whether it was Gary <laughs> or Army Hammer, I would choose Army Hammer. Yeah, for the record, not this little hobbit in <laughs> right. freaking Albany, New York, New York. Like, armpit of the East Coast, like ill. Who makes no. me go on walks in the middle of the night to like you know have an exploration oh. of meaning? <laughs> God, what a sicko! You guys, there is something – I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not to be like an apologist for these total sociopaths, but I will say also I understand how people fall into it because there's something so exciting about someone caring so much about you. <laughs> like they're so obsessed with you. They want to know what you eat every day. Like my fiance couldn't care less about me compared to like how much Keith Raniere cared, right. like was interested in the women he was trying to control. And like, come on. There's something about that. It's, it's kind of stirring. Yeah, I, it's stirring for sure. I like it. Okay, wait, what the hell? Just, <laughs> I've never thought I'd meet someone that was like kind of envious, kind of wish my my fiance had a little Keith Raniere in him. Oh, you know? totally. What you could do with like 10% of Keith Raniere in him, 100%. Like just someone who's like, who would go on these walks with you and just be like, I just don't, I think you're really blowing it. Like you're just not trying hard enough. And I know you better than you know you, you know? I just, yeah. that's all I've ever wanted someone to you say to me. felt seen. Feel so seen. seen. Oh, uh. so incredibly seen. So incredibly just emotionally invested in and cared about. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know it's what? just, you know, it's a mixed bag. Chandler, you're right. Like I kind of, want army hammer kind of not mad at it you just completely swayed me i'm glad i'm so glad we're all on the same page now and we can come to his defense you know with our respective platforms like we're like those psychos like the girls that like stood outside r kelly's trial like free r kelly (laughs) no here's the thing i like i have these thoughts and then i remember that he has like three kids or two kids and then i'm like okay actually this is sickening and horrifying yeah and i need to rein it in oh no yeah it's super sickening and super horrifying and crazy but kind of hot so there we are people (laughs) and yeah and did we and it's so interesting like there's a there's a thing like okay i just watched did you guys watch the night soccer on netflix Wait, no. about oh. Richard Ramirez? Yes. I, okay, Lo, I've been avoiding it because I actually get very scared at night. Like, uh, I think someone's, like, trying to attack me all the time. It's, like, a narcissism <laughs> thing. Um, and I've been avoiding it because I know that the Night Stalker would come in through your window. And I know that he was in Orange County. And it's, like, yeah, it's, it's something that crosses my mind far too often. But I probably will watch it. Oh, my God, Chandler, I feel so seen by you right now, my little Keith Rainier, because I, too, live my life feeling like I'm hunted. And I have such a fear. And I will say, watch that one with a friend or your fiancé, boyfriend, whatever, because it, it's really intense. Oh, it's so terrifying. And, it's, and if you've spent time in Los Angeles, like we all have, then you're familiar with all the streets and all the... And, yes. and I mean, he, he was probably one of the most sadistic psychopath like uh evil evil in human form truly i mean uh, i remember stuff that he did 
I heard stories about people who would put like soda cans like tied on a string like um by their window so that if someone was trying to get into their window like they would hear it. Yeah. And like that is one like I just gave myself the chills re- retelling that. Like it's really it's really chilling. Oh yeah. And this one the way they film it is so intense. I mean, it's really well done, but it is very scary. But I will say so this guy who is so and he killed men, women, children, grandparents. He'd rape an 80-year-old and then go and like destroy a child's life and then murder the family. Oh like we're talking gosh. Oh my is god, I I'd never are, seen anything like that. Are there episodes or is it like a one sitting type of thing? There are episodes. I think oh it's gosh. like five episodes total. Um I know I'm wait, gonna love it. Oh, it's it's just super intense, but just it's mind blowing that like one, there's that kind of evil. I think he might be because I've watched every type of serial killer psychopath right. documentary, and I'd say uh, he's my MySpace top eight. Um, he's really, top one of I've never heard of anything like that. Because his profile, if for a sociopathic psycho like this, they usually go for it's always women, like Ted Bundy. It was women between the ages of twenty to twenty-five. They usually were blonde, brunette. They parted their hair down the middle, and and they were located in very specific areas. So he had a target audience of women of predatory. Right. behavior rhyme or reason he, to it right oh sure so they could kind of you know see a pattern this dude was just plain evil women children like i said anybody it doesn't matter you're a guy girl you could be 80 or or four years old and he was probably going to kill you and he did a lot of people like over i think 30 people um that they discovered and- i mean so sick wasn't one of them in Mission Viejo or something? Like, I feel like oh, I yeah. remember. Yeah, it was like some of it was in Orange he, County. It was literally in, I believe, Mission Viejo. He made Ugh. his way to Orange County and then terrorized the Los Angeles area. <sighs> and uh, so, but what I was going to get to was this guy is, again, just, I think, the most evil individual I've ever learned about. I mean, I put him up there with, like, Hitler. Right. Sick. Um, and and there, he's still this sick sicko had hundreds of fans of women throwing themselves at him Mm -hmm. and wanting to be with him because he became such a public figure and they were attracted to the evil and he ended up getting married in jail like this bastard ended up having a wife and and you know lived i mean quote unquote happy in a prison cell but he had many admirers and fans and he played on that and then he died of i believe like cancer or something like um but but like just to think like there was women out there like so many that were like, um, kind of into it. Right. Like, like take whoa. It oh yeah. Like all oh, like Keith Ranieri, the Nexium sex cult well, dude. And like a lot Scott of them. Peterson, like, you know, super cute. I will say, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually drove past San Quentin like, uh, a couple months ago. Cause I now live in San Francisco and I like, I didn't realize I was driving past it until all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, it's San Quentin. And I did do a little bit of Googling about Scott Peterson and I did feel slightly tingly. Like I was yeah. like, I'm <laughs> so, Wait, is he still, I mean, I don't I, know what his long term story is. He yeah, in, like for life. I think he, yeah, I think he's in there. Um, I think he's one of the most notorious like criminals in there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyways, stuff. there's, um, that's like, that just shows some toxic thoughts that I have. I think it just goes to show like the fact that women are like resorting to men in prison. I don't know. It just seems to speak to like the imbalance, I think, like maybe in the dating sphere. Sure. That we like have this, like like literally Charles Manson, when he was like 70, married a 27-year-old while oh he was in God. prison. Oh, sicko. Yeah, nuts. I, I do think though, well, Charles Manson, that was super psychological with all of his cult following. Uh, but I, I know like, 
I watched the the thing on the Menendez brothers who are super hot. Really hot. Was that a good dog? Yes. That was like um, a Ryan Murphy, right? Wasn't it like the making, like, you know how they did the OJ Simpson miniseries? Oh, I didn't watch the Ryan Murphy one yet. I'm pretty sure you are. I think I was, it was the Ryan Murphy like one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really watched, good. They've done so many different specials, but like, I mean, for those that don't know, two hot um, brothers in Beverly Hills <laughs> blow their parents out, kill them. And then yeah. the whole thing is, are they guilty because they claimed abuse mm-hmm. and they were saying, quote unquote, they defended themselves anyway, but they grew up to be like quite handsome. So they ended up getting <laughs> getting married to women, but they interviewed his wife, uh, one of the Menendez brothers, and she was saying that it's like a control thing for her because she, she was in an abusive relationship. And she said that knowing that she could have like these in-depth like spiritual talks and this guy obviously gave her tons of attention because he's mm-hmm. just in a little four by four cell. Right. So he was able to give her all the attention she needed and wanted and she felt safe because he was locked up for life. Totally. So I, I think there was like, that was what attracted her, her to someone like that. Um, so I, yeah, I think that there's a whole psychological thing that goes into wanting to date a prisoner. I mean, yeah, imagine totally, just, totally. just the love letters themselves. Like, you know, when you have nothing better to do than to just like write an ode to your lady. Like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, and you know he's not going to cheat on you, yeah. at least with a woman. So that crosses <laughs> out a lot of risks. I mean, that's like, that's already like two more things than like I can say about most guys on Hinge. Totally. Can we just say that this podcast, like we've been... Basically, we've been like kind of get it, like kind of into the jail system. Like anyone listening is going to be like, these people are literal trash. And, I'm like, next thing I'm, I'm dating someone on death row. Yeah, right. If one of our list, if one of our young listeners wants to start like a dating app for like men in prison, they can be like the next like Forbes thirty under thirty. Like we're like giving away such a good business idea. Oh, I know. We, oh my God. I think we collectively, the three of us, own the IP though to this oh yeah yeah okay so obviously the crown um season four recently was released we saw our first glimpse of princess diana and season five we will see like our next bit of time explored with Kristen Stewart playing Princess Diana. No, no, no. It's not right? in The Crown. It's a totally it's different documentary. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm totally... I think they're doing an actual movie. And what? she's going to play Lady Di up in a film, like okay. a biopic this, or situation. This makes me feel better because I thought the actress from The Crown was re- actually really good. And I was like, why are they replacing her already? <laughs> Lauren, why don't you? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, no, I mean, so, um, yeah, they're doing a, a movie about Princess Diana. I think it's called Spencer. And um, Kristen Stewart is playing Princess Diana, and I would love to get your thoughts low. Chandler, feel free to weigh in. I'm sure maybe you have something interesting to say. Probably not. This is a national tragedy. It is. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Here's the thing. They released a picture of uh, Kristen Stewart dressed up in full Lady Di uh, garb, and she did look incredible. And maybe I think there's a sense of Kristen Stewart that she has that, like, she does, she's extremely introverted and shy. And that's, I mean, she, everyone knows that about her, and like in her interviews and stuff, she hates public appearances and stuff. Right. Um, which is kind of similar to Lady Di, that like very soft spoken and she doesn't never really makes eye contact. You know, she's kind of always kind of looking up, down, up, down, that right, sort of thing. Right. Um, so I think she'll nail like that part, but I guess I've just never been a huge Kristen Stewart fan in general. And I, when it comes to a character as iconic and special, 
as Lady Di, people really love her. Uh, I mean, and rightfully so. She was, you know, did a lot of good things for the world. Uh, you know, she's big like human rights activists. But I will say, I want to remove myself when I'm watching like this character and just, I wish they got a no name is what I'm getting at. I wish they booked someone who was like nobody knew about and I could just get so submerged into the role of, and not think of Twilight. Right? Like, Like, exactly. You know, she was like plucked from obscurity, at least as far as I'm aware. (laughs) And she did a perfect job. She also looked amazing. See, I wish they, I I would love that too, but I wish they had cast someone like a, like a young virgin of Meryl Streep or like a Kate Blanchett where, you know, like the acting chops are so intense that it's going to be an exquisite performance. But with Kristen Stewart, I'm just like, really? Like what? We're just going to watch a bunch of eye rolls. (laughs) I don't think her facial range is going to do justice to the princess of Wales. Okay. Sue me. But that's my opinion. I, you know, I'm with you on that one. Maybe she'll knock it out of the park. I'm hoping we'll hope for the best and assume the worst shall we but i i do think that uh there's to your point of someone with the acting chops so okay did you guys hear about uh lucille ball being played by none other than uh queen nicole kidman what no okay okay we got some tea up in here so that's exciting news uh so they announced lucille ball they're going to do a a story about her early life of lucille ball and desi arnaz and if people aren't familiar with desi arnaz um you know ricky ricardo Mm -hmm. uh i grew up on i love lucy oh you did oh same same yeah oh it's just the best it's like isn't it crazy like watching old i love lucy episodes they're so funny but it's like such innocent humor yeah they're wonderful yeah And I mean, but Desi Lu Productions, I mean, he what a trailblazer. Even the idea of doing studio audiences and the way he d- did his episodes, he was the first of anyone to do that. They went out number one. They were the only show to do that, too. And they, I mean, he was genius in like celebrity appearances and things like that hadn't been done before Ricky Ricardo. Um, so Lucille Ball and him, and they had a really uh, exciting marriage, but it was troubled because he right. cheated on her all the time. But anyway... I don't want to get into Lucille Ball's life, but um, I sound like a, what am I a historian over here? But they, they got Nicole Kidman to play the early life of Lucille Ball and Deborah Messing. A lot of people were like, you need to book Deborah Messing for it. And I guess the studio had released a statement like about Nicole playing uh, Lucille Ball. And then Deborah Messing, a few fans tweeted out because she had played Lucille Ball on episodes of Will and Grace and she nailed it. I just the look, like she has yeah, the facial yeah. range and she totally. did the Vitamita Vegemin and the little chocolate conveyor belt scene, which are super iconic scenes. And she yes. kind of, you know, people associate her a lot with Lucille Ball. And the daughter of uh, Ricky Ricardo and Lucy, I forget her name, um, but she's alive and well. And she basically said, yeah, and it was surprising that Deborah Messing would even kind of encourage like these tweets and stuff because she wrote, she responded like, yeah, why am I not considered her? I'd love to. Like I never, they didn't reach out to me, but like I'm here if you want to. And I'm like, what a weird thing to say considering like another actress is already attached right. to the project. Right. It's come out That's of really weird. Like what are they going to like change it up because like right. the fans demand it. Terrific. but. I'm I'm so glad that the daughter of Lucy and Ricky like basically came out and said, you know, although it's great that Deborah Messing, you know, has the image and likeness or whatever, I'm I'm looking we're looking for the the early stages of my mom's life. We're probably not even gonna touch on those iconic moments 
we're looking for basically was someone with acting chops. Yeah, literally. <laughs> no way. Wait, I mean, she said it in a really political, like, sweet oh way, gosh. but it was basically saying, like, Nicole Kidman has what it takes to portray my mom in her most intimate moments outside of the I camera. Mean, Nicole Kidman's facial range is unparalleled. It's also extremely limited because she can barely move her face, but it's still incredible. <laughs> but it's like but somehow it it's still terrible. phenomenal. Like the, in the Undoing, Big Little Lies. Are you kidding me? Oh, it's yeah, it's great. I mean, she is frozen, like with the Botox, but yes. for some, but she's I, the she omits like Big Little Lies. Come on, that was like painful to watch. Like, oh, it was a really incredible performance. Her the abuse that she went through in that show. So yeah, she has the acting chops. Whether she's frozen or not, she still omits some sort of feeling. Yeah, that's powerful. So good. Oh yeah. my gosh. Lo, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun. Oh my God. You Truly guys. a treat. Thank you. I thank you. have enjoyed every moment of this, Aww. my Orange County sisters. Seriously. Totally. And Wait, whenever you come back from Puerto Rico and you're back from San Francisco, like I hope we could meet up for a COVID free moment together. Oh, so, I would love it. Let's all meet at Paradise Bakery at Kevin. <gasps> oh, that's what <laughs> we're doing. Share a cookie. All right. And I'm sure our listeners, I hope our listeners don't just completely desert our podcast and start listening to Lowe's podcast exclusively, but I'm sure they want to go to your podcast. (laughs) It's called The Low Show. When do your episodes come out? So yeah, it's The Low Show and they come out every Thursday. We release a new episode and just because people always assume it's like a fashion podcast because I'm a stylist, but I mean, we've yet to do a fashion episode, to be honest. It's everything we cover. Um, I mean, we had one episode just on sex cults. We cover depression, anxiety, life, dating, sex, and relationships. Just everything really is covered on it. I'm I'm definitely an open book on the, the podcast. So I think that there's a little something for everybody and it's, it's just really kind of like, yeah, it's me navigating life on on the air is basically what's happening on this podcast because people seem to enjoy it so far. So you're a delight. Yeah, yeah. you're you. incredible. So are you guys? Oh, yeah. thanks. And the yeah, the podcast is I guess it's available wherever you stream your podcast. It's on all the different platforms. So amazing, wherever you get your pods. Oh, well, it's been so fun. We're an hour and fifteen minutes long, so I think we should probably let you go. But um. Everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you, Lo. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how. And work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.